gentlemen, it's the Insider's Edge Podcast with your host, California. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Insider's Edge Podcast here in its episode number 182. Uh, I'm your host once again, California Infrared. A joy to be with you all once again, especially with my brand new podcast microphone. So stoked to have it now. And speaking of being stoked, I'm stoked right here, right now, to have the opportunity to talk to the big cheese, the big kahuna of Oceana Pro Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the one, this is the only, Mr. Cam Vale. How are you, Cam? Thanks, Carl. I'm oh, much better after that intro. Um, so, <laughs> big kahuna of one. So, um, no, no, I've got a good good little team around me, actually. But, um, yeah, there's still a very humble sports administrator trying to work through what is the wrestling industry. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. I, I like to, I like, anytime I have a, a promoter on the show, I like to call them a big kahuna. I just think it's funny. But, uh, Cam, obviously, uh, to, to to get involved in, in, in pro wrestling and something, uh, an adventure of this nature, uh, there's a point in time where you become a fan of pro wrestling for the first time. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about how you became a fan of professional wrestling? Yeah, so my um, I'm the eldest of three uh, boys. So myself and my two brothers, uh, Travis and Warwick. Um, I mean, I obviously influenced them, but we probably fell uh, in love with wrestling through the the Hulk Hogan era. You know, common common story, of course. So that sort of you know, largely giving away my age, but um, in that sort of early to mid eighties and. You know, getting we were very lucky at the time. My dad knew somebody who was getting tapes, so we, you know, we'd get the tapes before maybe they were out in the shops. But you know, uh, like it was, you know, I don't know, maybe two weeks before they, they were out or whatever. Obviously, you know, pre-internet and all these sorts of things. So it was a, but certainly growing up with, um, you know, that eighties uh, into the early nineties um, wrestling era was was, you know, where I sort of fell in love with it. Um, and I've largely stuck with it throughout. I mean, I think, you know, you got maybe go through your odd burst, but I haven't really dropped off too much along the way. And it's been, um, you know, something that my kids now are interested in. My wife, uh, positively tolerates, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, we all know what wrestling is, what's entertainment. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, as my, one of my brothers, Travis would say, if it's in your blood, it's in your blood. It, it's not leaving you after that. Yes. It's the same old tale for a lot of people that, are, you know, become fans and they get bitten by the bug and it never leaves their system. Uh, so I, I, I've had many times on the show, people talk about you know, uh, becoming a fan during the golden era, the, the, Hulk Hogan, the WrestleMania era when it was first uh, coming about. So always tr- cherished memories. In a, um, again, I, I kind of wanted to dive into this kind of thing because I always find it interesting talking to other people from Australia about how their fandom cha- changed and grew over the years. Uh, you have a, an era like that with Hulk Hogan and all that. You get towards the early 90s with the WWF and the new generation, and it goes from the Hulk Hogan and the bodies and the, the muscles to, you know, more of the athletic guys like a Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart and all that. Then you get to the Attitude Era and all of that when it gets a little bit crazier. <laughs> uh, how did you, I guess, fandom change and grow through the years through these different eras? And, and, and if you want to speak on any time period where you might have lost a little bit of interest uh whereabouts that might have been in, in there yeah it's interesting i probably um 
probably fell off a little bit at the start of the um, Monday Night Wars. So there's a period where probably as much just, you know, year 12 and, you know, first year of uni and a couple of other things. It sort of just lost a bit of touch with it and um, and sort of, you know, crept back in as, as you know, Hogan obviously did the big turn and, I can't really remember exactly, but it was around about that that time. So I sort of had missed a bit of the start of it. And again, I think just largely had just lost a little bit of interest, but was probably just a period in my life, just um, you know, focusing on work and you know, teenage boy. Um, <laughs> so you start focusing on other things and um, and, and getting through school and, and high school and university. So, um, and then I think over the years, I, the main changes that have occurred probably for me are two is one, when I started working in the business of sports, I took my first job at Carlton Football Club in, in 2001. Um, you start to think about the business side of wrestling a lot. And, and certainly when that sort of period where, if you like, the curtain was pulled back a bit, more was being written about, you know, on the back of the Monday Night Wars, about the business side of things. So for me, that was one of the first shifts. I still remain interested as a fan, but was very interested now in the business side and could see what wrestling does really well, which a lot of sports I've worked in, you know, you would look at the fact that yes, it's scripted content, but at the end of the day, they're entertaining people. Um, they're putting up, putting on a compelling product and in sport running events in the business side, you, you get constantly had to keep challenging yourself to go, you know, we, we can't be in a football club and okay, we're not winning. So therefore the business side is going to drop off and there's nothing you can do about it. Right, so I think wrestling proves that you know you can, you know. So I was quite interested in that. Just fortunately met some people um, in sort of late two thousand eight, two thousand nine at TNA, um, uh, and then a guy called Mike Weber who now runs or is still heavily involved at the top with Fight TV or Trello TV now. So I started to actually build some 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 connections and. Um, just as you do in sport. And again, that sort of further enhanced my business thinking, taking it into the, the paid roles I was in and looking almost at wrestling more in that, that that business sense. The other big change that occurs is as you become a parent and your kids start to watch it, um, you know, you definitely have a different appreciation again for what hooked you as a kid, you know, what you see hooks you, your own kids. I mean, my kids were watching clips of Hulk Hogan as much as they were watching current wrestling, which is which is quite interesting, right? And, and YouTube's obviously changed just just the way you can consume things. WWE Network. So, but as your kids start to consume it, you also well, I go back to the fact that you know wrestling is a great product that should appeal to everyone. So, and this you know might not uh, appeal to might might not make me popular with everyone, but I'm not a big fan. Therefore, you know the death matches and. Yeah. I like a hardcore component as a, you know, a way to finish a feud or being involved in a, in an overall storyline. Um, and, and I appreciate, again, what ECW did for the business, right? So I'm quite – I always, so this is a bit, probably the best example I give. I, one half of my brain goes, you know, really influenced the business uh, for all the naysayers. You know, it's a small, small sporting business. They did really, really well, maximised everything had a loyalty with their talent. So there's a lot of great things. But could you put that on TV and make that successful today? I think you'd really struggle. Uh, and and that's me now going, as a parent, I wouldn't want my kids watching that content. So, which doesn't mean that it's not 
and this is where I think one of wrestling's great strengths is I can say that, but there's still an audience for hardcore wrestling. Um, as I said, I still enjoy, um, you know, who, who doesn't enjoy a table being brought out right? or a chair <laughs> yeah. or so, so there's, it's, you know, so the two biggest changes for me were the influence for me as a professional Um and then the second part is coming as a parent. And then, you know, again, so for me, you know, I think John Cena is is as good as there's ever been because, you know, whether he can wrestle a five-star match to me is really not relevant. Um, can he wrestle a good match? Does he entertain? Does he just captivate an audience? Did he bring people to wrestling that maybe had, you know, dropped off? So, again, you know, he wasn't obviously part of the 90s and the – and that real tougher era, which is still great to watch, right? Well, some parts of it maybe haven't haven't aged that well, but um, <laughs> but I have an enormous amount of admiration for what he has done um, for the for, for the industry. But then you look at a guy like Shawn Michaels and go, yeah, he almost transcended like one, two, three, possibly four genuine eras, right? Undertaker. Yeah. So so you know, I think the the great wrestlers. Um, that's probably one of one of the, the key things, and you know, um, as a segue, yeah. But but having a guy like Bret Hart come out for our event, you can see how much he um, cuts through, you know, current wrestling. So obviously, people like myself who who know who he is and watched him as a kid. So um, now he speaks about wrestling. You know, to me that that it really gravitates right. Like it's um, should be athletic, should be a sporting contest. Um, I probably disagree a little bit. I think some of the gimmicky, fun stuff is is important as well. Um, yeah. Again, you can't just watch, you know, five star matches from start to finish. But um, but again, I think again, wrestling is just such a great smorgasbord of product for you know a lot of people that you know either like it or like parts of it. And 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 I like how the industry always adapts. Yeah, I, I, that's one thing I like about wrestling is and and that's what I think makes perfect wrestling shows. If you've got different flavors different mm. things you know like if if you have several five-star wrestling classics in a row um i don't know i kind of need a palate cleanser in the middle there uh to mm. break it up a little bit so i think like different flavors really makes a, a great well, it's also the different show. you know the different types of talent right like mm. um you know hard hitting athletic uh not athletic right um and the fact that you know you can be a bigger heavier guy or girl and still be you know in the world of wrestling and be really effective. So I think like one of my great observations in the last few years is wrestling probably doesn't talk enough about its diversity and it's and how inclusive it is. And again, people might go, oh, it's not a real sport. But at the end of the day, um it's a it's a it's a sporting product, right? It still goes on ESPN. Um, you know, I'm not saying ESPN um, you know, talk about the bachelor, right? So so it certainly <laughs> has a sporting context. Um, to it but again that diversity of of people of all sizes ages um, you know w whatever diversity uh, there is in life um, has largely been captured by wrestling one way or the other small people big people um, ethnicity so I, I actually think that's one of wrestling's greatest strengths that it should be pretty proud of um and then and i think then that's what flows with okay well then you need a diversity of style and action right you can't just have the same the same content um because that's just it's just not what wrestling is so most of the time when people talk about culture in a sport or a club or a league or whatever 
um, you know, culture is something that, you know, it should be defined by by your actions and, and how people see and, and how you represent, not what you actually say. And that's where, again, I think wrestling, what a great strength is, is just its incredible diversity um, just at every possible level. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, speaking of, uh, you know, that kind of thing and, and, and Australian professional wrestling, um, I want to ask you about like, what did you think of uh, like nationally, like Australian professional wrestling uh, prior to starting your own uh, wrestling promotion? Um, yeah. So I probably, like, I really didn't know a lot about it. I, I you know, subconsciously knew it had to exist because mm. where the, where the talent go. Um, but again, it was probably more, at the time, you know, I'd been working as CEO at Hockey Australia and CEO at Baseball Australia. So we worked under a national, you know, what they call a federated system. So, you know, you have your international events. So let's call that, the, you know, the, the Olympics, the WWE, Major League Baseball, it's all, all there. Then as a national body, you're really feeding into that with your championships, your national teams, et cetera. Um, state bodies developing that, that high class talent and next level and then your grassroots. So... It did fascinate me to go. Well, there was no true national company. Um, mm. There are companies that might tour nationally. There are companies that obviously have a national brand, um, and uh, or you know they have obviously Australia in their, their title, but most most are local. So I, I almost looked at them like as this sort of hybrid of what the grassroots system was, but probably a bit better, you know, higher than that. But again, even at that level. Um, there are layers, but you know there wasn't a unifying state or national um, program, and and again, I think that's where wrestling is much more than like entertainment. Um, and you know, it did fascinate me, and I've said this a few times to different people. Again, some might not like it, but I, I was fascinated. Wrestling wasn't regulated at all. Um, now I come from places where you overregulate, and and some people probably say running national bodies we overregulate our system. So I. What really interested me was where did it, how does this talent come through? Why isn't there a national brand? Um, Mexico has two. Japan mm. has, you know, New Japan, but even has, you know, national brands under that. Um, so I was quite fascinated with, and I just assumed, as you know, you do, is that, okay, well, part of it's unregulated. Um, part of it is just the challenge. I mean, wrestling is, is still, you know, uh, if the big sports in this country, the AFL, cricket and rugby league, well, literally everyone is in the next the next level. So that's where wrestling would be. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I was quite intrigued. And, man, I was lucky at a baseball event. We had Melbourne City Wrestling um, put on the wrestling uh, after one of our Australian baseball league games. So I was just fascinated how this is actually going to be pulled off. Mm. Um, even though it had nothing directly to do with me, but as the CEO of the league, you know, we supported. It was, it was um, to help a bushfire appeal at the time, so it was a really good cause. And I was quite impressed with how good the talent was, um, which, again, it was a naivety to sort of go, of course the talent would be good. I was working in a sport at the time called baseball, with baseball frustration was a lot of our talent were not being recognised as fairly and equally in the US market. You know, they had to try harder. They had to be better because we were coming from further away. And that's when it started to hit me and go, geez, I wonder if it's the same here in this in wrestling is that – our talent is as good, you know, in a lot of ways, but we're not getting recognised because, you know, we're too far away. And, you know, and so that sort of just started from there. I got to know guys at Melbourne City Wrestling. I got to meet Farley, who was, you know, doing the Tamashi. Got to just be aware that it was out there and um, 
and probably had a lot of respect for you know how people were trying to build the industry and and almost have that localized product which sort of made sense to me to go you know that can work my, my probably path was then more influence again from the sort of sports i'd worked in to go oh well my experience is more at a, a national level it's also about you know um being a feeder to australian baseball is very much a feeder to the u.s um even examples like that in hockey and you know advance and doing and sort of you know trying to look at sort of that international space as a way as a way forward so um and just this region you know that's where the name oceania has come from you know because they're called australia was whatever i was going to call it but i just felt you know what um the this region should be should have a brand representation whatever that turns out to be one event 100 events whatever whatever comes from it but um yeah, I was, it, it was just sort of a melting of my background. And again, more the business side rather than the fan side. But what I could appreciate is, you know, as I saw some of the best wrestlers in Australia, and then I'd go overseas and see other wrestling promotions. I'm like, I'm seeing as good as talent back in Australia as I am here. Yeah. Why are they getting more opportunities, right? Like, why isn't Slex working for TNA uh, at, or... or 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 elsewhere, and I could probably name, you know, a dozen wrestlers that I would that I've seen, and I, and one of my big challenges is to see more around the country because I'm sure there is a just a, a plethora of talent in this country that is good enough to to make it, and also talent that is important to Australian wrestling. You know, they're probably that's that's their their peak. But why why can't that be a good thing? Again, because the systems I've worked in, you know, being a national player, being a club player, being a state representative was was you know it's still a great achievement. So you know, I think I think the systems there, that's where wrestling is much more like a sport than it, than it is entertainment. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. It's it's always confused me so much how for years we haven't had like a national wrestling company, um, and it actually blew my mind how many uh independent wrestling groups there are throughout Australia, especially on the East Coast. Um yeah. It's, it's just it's mind boggling. Yeah, there's look, there's a lot. And um uh and again, that's not necessarily a bad thing to give talent opportunities. Um that the challenge, as I said, becomes um when you try to aggregate it, it's uh it, it's it's difficult. Um but it's a solvable problem. So I think you know, whatever happens moving forward, uh, it, it, it's a path that is potentially there. I personally believe that it would help if more of us sort of worked a bit closer together to mm. to to do that. Um, and you know, that can be you know, everyone's got their own business, or you know, if you've been working in the industry for twenty years, and I come along, you know, you're not necessarily going to go, oh, "Great, let's 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 help you." I've been doing this for twenty years, but. But just philosophically, if you take myself out of it, I think if more of the companies look to elevate talent, share talent, build some crossover, who's to say that you'd actually, maybe you don't need a national brand, but if you have five or six really strong brands across the country, that could be a model that works equally as well. Because I think we have the depth of talent to support, you know, five or six, but it's difficult to... You know, I have a saying that I developed a long time ago, you know, you can't sell a secret. And basically that's, by, you know, if you want to build a business model, you've got to find ways to get it out there. Um, and 
that's you know that's part of the challenge in, in the wrestling world because we also know that uh, Australian fans oversubscribe, you know, per head to WWE, and I'm sure that filters through. So to the other companies, um, so therefore the fan base is here, um, and one of the best examples I share with people because again, I, you know, I, I it's not mine to own, but what the NBL has done for basketball is what wrestling could do in this country. Now, again, well, that's one big national brand, so that could be one path to wrestling, or as I said, it could be, you know, um, the equivalent of the, the AFL model, right? Waffle, Sandful, VFL, and you have these these sort of strong, um, you know, five or six around the country. But um, what they've done is the NBL side of things is really bridge that gap and, and attract more fans that are watching the NBA and we're bypassing that are now going, oh, great, there's an Australian product that I can follow, I can support. And, and that's ultimately the challenge for most sports. And um, I see it with my son, you know, even with that example, you know, he's passionate about the NBA and he has an interest in the NBL. But his interest in the NBL will slowly increase the more he gets exposed to it. It's closer yeah. to home, right? So one of wrestling's great strengths is the life is phenomenal, right? So... Um, and I say this respectfully, my kids who, who really like wrestling love WWE. Their next favorite product would be to go to MCW and see live wrestling. Right? Cool. Now, that's because of where we live, so that's not a shot at anyone else. Um, but they would watch that any other brand because that's, you know, their consumption is the big product at the top. And where can I see the best live stuff that? Again, they they can see the link. They can go. These guys and girls are really good, um, and I think that's so. It's a balance of trying to get that live event, and you know I'm a big believer in broadcasting and and streaming. And you know again, can't sell a secret. You got to try and get people to to watch it. And again, like you know, I have a great weakness. I would not know enough of the best talent in Western Australia. It's something I need to bridge the gap on for for my own benefit. Um, so. You know, you can go and you can watch and you can you can pick these things up. But it'd be fantastic if you could just you know go to an event in Melbourne and then a week later, well, I can't go to that event in Perth, but I can watch it and start yeah. to build that. Or as I said, some of the talent, um, you know, having story arcs that can cross across um, you know state borders. I mean, I get I get this is not. And I'll, I'll stop talking. I say I get this is not easy, but it's. It can look a bit silly if you have wrestlers that, you know, wrestle one week with a certain personality and then work very, very differently the next week. Again, I get it. That's, that's you know, wrestlers have got to make a living as well. Yeah. And, and, like, make a living, that's a bloody overstatement. Like, you know, <laughs> try and cover some of their costs is probably a better description. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's where I'm interested. So if that means I'm going to do it by myself, then I'll have a stack at it by myself. If I'm going to do it to collaborate with others, I would happily look at that as well. I have no, no bias to going, you know, I can't solve this potentially on my own. Why wouldn't I look to work with others if if it makes sense to, you know, um, to do that? Again, this I suppose wrestling also has a weird, um, then I'll definitely stop talking, um, where like we like the promotions, it's like we all want to, the, the, we all want to kill each other type, you know, and, and rate, you know, and, and I get we rate, you know, AEW, TNA, MLW, but 
we should also know as fans, wrestling can be marginalised by people. So, you know, I think tipping shit on people for trying things and doing things is not, you know, if you don't like it, fair enough, you don't like it or mm. didn't work, but it, it would help if, you know, we could lift the bar a little bit by going, you know, um, how can, you know, how can promotions work better together? How can we build something that, you know, I, I'm convinced that, you know, sooner rather than later, Australian wrestling should be on that TV stream in this country, whether it's free to air, whether it's a KO Fox or, or whatever, um, the product should be should be out there. I agree. I that's another thing. I've always wondered, like, geez, with all the great wrestling talent we've had in the country, I mean, a lot of it now been scooped up by a lot of uh the companies in the United States. But I just it's always confused me as to why we've never been able to get a television product out there because i think that as far as australians are concerned we, we're very entertaining people um you know just from you know other forms of entertainment and i just never understood why we could never get a national wrestling product on free-to-air tv or on a streaming service or, or well i think that that again you gotta you gotta try and relate to other sports i think um you know my my reality would be, you know, can Australian wrestling be on, you know, the main five channels? Probably mm. not. Like that's that's not its path. Um, because most other sports I've worked in, hockey, baseball, um, bowls, you know, yeah. the volleyball, whatever it might be, because the demand's not there. So you just you can't have a product that is not satisfying, you know, hungry TV advertising. But there are other ways to get it done. So whether it's the free-to-air digital channels, um, whether it's, um, again, you know, partnerships with with potentially the Coes or the Foxes of the world or, or any streaming platform, one of the things you've got to do, though, is you've got to put on a product that is watchable. Um, and that's not the talent. That's how you produce an event. Um, and in this day and age, I can do a bit of consulting in the, in the media rights space. And, you know, there's no real reason that, can't get a good OTT um, streaming product that is not far off what a TNA or an MLW or a New Japan would do, then you can start to get that TV interest to sort of go, okay, we're not bringing all the eyeballs here, but we are going to bring eyeballs. And again, that, that NBL link to go, the fans are there. So you could build a path to capturing a lot of those fans it will either take time or it will take um and if anyone knows this person please let me know we australia needs its own logan paul right um <laughs> we or, or bad bunny we, we yeah. need to find a, a talent that could cross into wrestling that is a mainstream person that that alone would be the catalyst and the last thing on that i think is for us is that we've also got to think less is more you know maybe you know, if you again, if you're watching a lot of content internationally, how do you get into that cycle, the viewer cycle? So, you know, I'm looking at different ways that, you know, it's not necessarily just a one or a two hour regular show. Maybe it's different. Maybe we've got to find a different way to go. We come in little bursts and then we give you a break and then we come back. Um, you know, there's again, no different other sports. You can't, um, hockey, uh, is running a seven-week national league. That's long enough. You don't want to run it. You could run a twenty-week competition. Everyone plays each other. You know, it's too much content. Um, it's it's just the reality is there's just not a big enough um, 
fan base to support so much content. So therefore, quality over quantity is probably a big player in what Australian wrestling can be. Right. Very well put. I like it. Uh, as far as uh, OPW is concerned, uh, would you be able to let me know like what the biggest difficulties have been starting a, a wrestling promotion from scratch? Um, yeah, dealing with um, but there's a. I mean, it's like any startup business. So there's a lot of there's a lot of challenge. There's a lot of learning curve. So I had to apply twenty years of pretty good sports knowledge, but still to a new product. So that's um, you know, there's some benefits, but there's there's a learning curve, and and I went through that with hosting Impact last year. Mm. Um, so you know that so that that's just a a, a macro challenge. I mean, some of the challenges I think is um, you know, there is a bit of of, there is a bit of dodgy behavior inside wrestling. I don't know if it's bigger or worse than other sports, but there's a bit of a, you know, cut corners, um, uh, you know, do things, probably do things the same as everybody else, but they sort of give you only half the information. So I think as a newcomer, um, it was, you know, there's not, I I get it to some degree, there's not a natural, all right, well, how do we help this guy along? Now, I found people along the way, um, but, you know, learning a new product is is a challenge, building a business from scratch um, and trying to do things that are a bit different. You know, these things can take take time. Uh, I've had some great relationships from overseas partners and I've had some pretty ordinary ones. So, um, you know, but that's, again, probably just just part of that that sort of natural learning curve. So I think the challenge is really, yeah, again, it's still a niche product here. How do you get ahead of that? Uh, how do you manage time? Like I'm, I feel like I'm full-time at this at the moment, but it ain't paying the bills. So I'm doing other work as well. So how do you manage your time? Um, you know, how do you get that balance right? Um, is and, and, and trying to find the points of difference. I'm really always interested. I know something will jump out at some point that can spark either my business or the industry that is, you know, we're just not doing it at the moment. So so it's it's normal enough challenges. The wrestlers are really good to deal with. I find they're um, incredibly um, humble, um, easy to work with, uh, 99% at least. So, so you know, and there's there's good interest out there. So, I um, mean, the other, the other challenge in wrestling is, you know, some, certainly, you know, a lot of businesses, yeah, spot potential sponsors and government partners, they either don't rate wrestling or they don't know where to put it. Yeah. Should we should you be talking to the guy about sporting events or should you be talking to the guy about entertainment events? And <laughs> um that's you know, that's 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 definitely still a big challenge uh in a model that that I'm trying to build. Yes, that would be because it's kind of stuck in a little bit in the middle there when it comes to that kind of thing, especially you know as it pertains to people that aren't fully invested in what professional wrestling is, and they, you know, uh, an entertainment guy will be like, ah, it's a bit too sports based for me, but sports based guy will be like, ah, it's a bit too entertainment for me. So it's an interesting the, thing. The be- one of the best ways to hook people is to say, introduce them to the talent, explain how good the talent are, and and. And that can take many different meanings from their storytelling ability to their athletic mm. ability to their promo, as I said, to the inclusion angle, um, diversity inside inside wrestling. Um, and you tend to then have to try to balance that conversation to 
you know, how, uh, if, you know, people go, oh, that's fake or that's not real or whatever. And okay, then you talk to them about it's pretty athletic. Like it's a pretty challenging sporting, it's, it's as challenging as and having worked with a lot of elite athletes. I mean, to me, wrestlers, I mean, I tend to call them athletes more than actually call them wrestlers or talent because that's just the phrase I'm used to. Um, but unlike a lot of sports, they then have an ability to be entertaining, to promote, to do things that other sports have. So I say like rest, wrestling has so many attributes and it's like this spinning circle uh, or ball. There's different points on it and then at different conversations, you'll talk to people at the different peak of that point. So I'm talking to someone who's interested in, you know, the fact that it is scripted and that it is entertaining and that kids can go and families can go. So that, you know, versus someone who's now more intrigued about, you know, how athletic it is and it's got that feel like a big boxing event or an MMA event. So so it's, a, it's there's so many great attributes, um, which is its strength and its weakness, which is the challenge in most things in life. Your strength at some point is also your weakness. The strength of wrestling is, again, how many different things it is and the weakness is, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to get it into a simple box for people to understand to to build the model um to what you're trying to achieve yeah very well said very well said uh so uh, i want to ask a little bit about the impact wrestling tour um from last year how was the experience uh with with them and now they've rebranded again as tna wrestling uh please yeah. tell me a little bit about that look it was it was a great experience. Um, and I say it very genuinely. Um, so TNA through school impact at the time through Scott Demore, um, really stepped up, took a risk with me, a big risk, and and I don't underestimate that. Um, and they're taking a risk with me, they're taking a risk in the model we were presenting. You know, in a small city, all all the things that came with that, and on a short notice. So, um, my experience with them was almost like it was. If I hadn't have had that experience. I wouldn't be doing anything further, I don't think, um, because it could have gone really in a difficult way. Um, so from Scott, uh, Dan Rahl, who's a um, producer with Impact, was was phenomenal. They're the only two people we used. The rest was all Australian people. So my Australian support team um, through Hot Tag Network and MCW were incredible uh, to help make the event occur. But certainly from from that team and the talent at TNA, really good to deal with. Understood what I was trying to do, um, create an event, elevate Australians, bring Australians on the journey, do things that they wouldn't normally do. So some of the tourism and the community appearances that other sports do, I had zero issues. Um, so it was a it was a great experience all around. I had a lot of respect for for their product, and like a lot of us, we probably have tuned in and out from you know tna and impact o- over the journey yeah um but they are you know they are an excellent wrestling company that you know is is clearly not wwe but no one is um and i you know i really hope that they continue to 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 build on what they've done obviously with the news with scott was was you know personally disappointing because yeah. you know but but having spoken to other people in there um you know i'm confident we'll have a good relationship with them moving forward and, and try to either you know bring them out again or involve them in something in the future i'd be pretty confident um confident can occur 
Very cool. Good to hear all that. Uh, and and that's a, a, always a learning experience. It must be so exciting to get those learning experiences so that, you know, the next time something comes around, a touring act will be taking place. You, you've already got those tools in your belt. Uh, speaking it's exciting, of that, but it, it also scares the shit out of you at times as well. <laughs> so um, that's that's part of the, you know, the learning curve of uh, <laughs> riding the wave. So uh, hopefully you get better at it after the first one. For sure. And speaking to that, you've got uh, coming up this year, StarCast Down Under. Uh, this is a pretty big venture as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's a several day event. You're bringing down some pretty big names. Uh, as you mentioned before, Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, obviously, this is in conjunction with uh, Mr. Conrad Thompson. How has this whole experience been organising this massive venture? Yeah, look, it's... um. Again, it's been a really good one overall. Uh, it's ha definitely had its challenging moments. I mean, this is probably where I originally started. So my even though I had the originally the New Japan event that turned into the Impact event in Wagga, um, sort of running parallel, um, I'd been fortunate to meet Nick Aldis uh, on my little journey. And, you know, this was the one that I thought, okay, th this is different Um I'm not at that stage. I'm not a wrestling promotion, um, so I'm really just bringing out an event, and um, and that could be it, right? Or well, that's that's the model that OPW will, will form around. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's. I mean, it's uh, again, as people can see, you know, my approach is probably more. I don't think it'll be exclusively this, but but certainly regional markets. I feel have a point of difference in my model that can work, um, and so having the Victorian government get involved is a big step um, to to making this occur. Uh, so it's it's a you know it's a different event for Australian wrestling fans. I mean, we really haven't seen anything like this. So part of the journey is to explain to people what Starcast is. A lot a lot know it, a lot know Conrad, um, but a lot don't as well. And therefore, you know, trying to create that awareness, um, yeah, doing it over multiple days is is part of of how we secured the funding. Um, and again, it's not going to be for every event like this, but I, there, there is a, there's a lot of benefits in trying to create events like this. And it's not uncommon in sport. I mean, you know, I've used this analogy before. I mean, Bathurst is over a few days. It's in a regional location. Um, you know, people in V8 in Australia don't complain about that model. Like, yeah. like it's, you know, it is the absolute pinnacle of that that sport in this country that then lends itself to, to everything else. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, in some ways it'd be easy to do it in a Melbourne or Sydney clearly, but that's, you know, that's just not how this, this model is going to work, but who knows in the future? I mean, um, uh, a lot of this again is learning, you know, legends, uh, how important they are to wrestling fans, current talent, um, and we're, you know, probably a fraction behind, but we've got some big announcements coming out in the next few days um, to sort of build that wrestling card. So it's it's certainly going to be, have a lot, again, back to that diversity, it's going to have a lot of different uh, attributes. So, you know, let's, I'm confident it'll go well, but again, like the, like the example 10-8, it'll be part of my journey to go, great, this works over here, this didn't quite work, something's in the middle, um, that's just, just sort of part of it. And, um, you know, you've got to take some risks as well to, to try and get these outcomes. But I tell you one thing that's clear, as I said, is that, you know, securing Brett is, is, is a big deal. And, um, yeah. and, you know, the fans, you know, again, just 
you know, rate him so highly. So as far as a marquee legend, I think I've worked that out. My challenge is if we do it next year, which is the plan, um, uh, who do who do I who do I get that's a you know possible <laughs> um, close to right? So, but I'll worry about that a little bit later. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, the lineup's looking great so far. Brett Hart, Mickey James, Chris Masters, Shelton Benjamin, Tanil Dashwood, Gangrel, uh, Lisa Marie Veron, a few others there. But this is a very exciting thing. Well, the great Carly today. You know, oh, so, really? Um, oh, yeah, well, just I literally never. a couple of hours ago. So he's, really, um, <laughs> great he's stuff. unique in a very different way. So obviously, um, you know, not not Dave Meltzer, five star, Mister Five Star, but. Again, huge personality. Uh, doesn't do a lot of these events. In fact, no. very few. So, um, he's yeah, he's a he's a really exciting addition to 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 what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, from what I've heard, uh, catering is going to be having to be on point for him because I, I've read his diet. In <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I haven't I haven't had that conversation with him yet. So, in a couple <laughs> of months, I better you know I'm more worried about beds and cars and. Um, and getting that part wrong, but um, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Interesting it's a, it's stuff. A good observation. I'm, I'm going to jot that down as soon as we finish. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, uh, so, as far as uh, everything else, future plans uh, for for your your wrestling company, for your, um, you, you know, you getting involved in professional wrestling. Is there anything? I mean, no, there might be things you you won't be you won't be able to uh, divulge, but anything in in the in the pipeline. But yeah, yeah. We're, just, we're we're going to announce a standalone OPW event pretty soon. So cool. um, without a, you know, an impact or, or a star cast. So mm-hmm. that will be, you know, another part of that evolution. See how that goes. Um, we've definitely got some things developing that, you know, again, I mean, it's all things that I've already said. So the business side of the rest of getting this model right is really important. So one way or another, I'd love to be able to help influence, you know, outcomes that are, you know, broader broadcasting, a major partner that could get involved in the sport, maybe bring a few of us together. So, you know, it's, um, it's small steps. It's probably, um, again, and it is, it is the challenge of doing it, you know, in when you're trying to balance other things around it. So, you know, I may have an opportunity to really put myself more into this in the next six months which is probably what I want to do to give it every chance to succeed. And then, and then see, you know, I'm not trying to be, um, he's a good wrestling promoter. He's not in trouble. I can, you know, <laughs> um, you know, has made some money. I'm not Eric Bischoff, right? So, um, uh, who's done well in wrestling, made a great career. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't expect that this is, you know, uh, you know, you know, be paying me a hundred thousand hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in salary, right? Mm. That's not sort of the reason I did it. Um, it'd be nice. But, um, yeah, I think I'd like to see in the next six months that people can see that I'm I'm definitely trying to evolve to a modern Australian wrestling company that has a chance to be successful. Um, that's that's probably what I'm, I'm about. But as I've said, I don't have an ego that, uh, oh, sorry, I do have a big ego, but I don't have an <laughs> ego in wrestling that is, um, you know, it's my way or the highway. So, you know, I always say this, I'm not that hard to find. Um, if people want to collaborate or reach out, you know, I can't offer everything to everybody, but, you know, even if it was somebody else, if Australian wrestling's on on a bigger platform, 
and I was only a part of it, I'd be very happy about that. So I think, you know, it's a great, it's a great product. Um, you know, as we talked about at the start, we've all been influenced by it. Um, it's it's quirky and it's different, but it's um, you know, it's it's a it's a really good. It does again back to that diversity. It does a lot of good things for a lot of people and people that are in difficult circumstances in their life or have disadvantaged in their life and um you know i i think we should be more proud and we need to get more business people that we all know watch wrestling but don't always put their hand up to go yeah what what are you watching the weekend i watch six hours of wrestling um from wwe to aw to tna as opposed to you know um I mean, I don't look down on people that watch cooking shows. I find cooking shows as boring as batshit. But um, <laughs> you know, it's um, each to the, each to their own. So yeah, we've got definitely got some good things coming up. Hopefully, that will again be a bit more. Said I think people get an insight into how I think as to you know trying to drive a business model forward that could be the right one, might not be, but I'm going to have a crack at it anyway. Lovely to hear. And uh, Cam, that brings us really close to the end of the interview here, but I've got to get through my final section of my interview here, which is learning about your favourite things. So uh, the first one here, Cam, is uh, who's your favourite pro wrestler of all time? Uh, I will say John Cena. Excellent choice. Uh, the history of your fandom in pro wrestling, is there one match that you look back at and think, okay, that's that's my favourite match I've ever seen? I look, I mean, I I was either captivated by Hogan, Andre. Um, I, I just love the whole story, you know, undefeated. But, you know, to me at the time, it's definitely undefeated. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a long match, obviously, but the spectacle, um, you know, that was a great match. Uh, I've probably got I've got heaps, but just a couple of quick ones. Um, and this is sort of a plug, but it is true. Like the Brett Owen Hart WrestleMania ten, yeah, mainly because I had you know two brothers, as I said. So the younger brother beating the older brother, and then Brett winning the title, you know. But that match itself, like the shock value when Owen won, yeah, um, <laughs> it, it's just like that's just a just a match. I think um, you know for the ages, and, and again, it's the big ones, you know, and Hogan Rock. They're probably the three. That really stand out to me. No, great choices. Very spectacles. That's what they were. Loved them. And that's when wrestling's at its peak, right? Like when I agree. You suspend disbelief. It takes you. You know, you. It's like this mad mix of sport and movie and <laughs> entertainment and real life just meshing meshing to together. Rock Cena, actually, the first first one I, I thought was um, was right up there as well. Excellent. Yes. When it's done uh, perfectly, uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing better. Mm. Um, okay. Getting away from wrestling now. Uh, do you have a favorite book? Uh, Good to Great, which is a book by a guy called uh, Jim Collins. I think it's Jim Collins. Might not be Jim, but it's Good to Great. And it's essentially um, how in a business world you can. Um, you can you can be consistent at one level for a long period of time and, and just small things you know it's not dramatic things but small things can can make your your company or your business great so that's one I go to um, I go to a fair bit uh, and I actually really like um, Eric Bischoff's um, uh, controversy creates no, cash what, Co controversy. No, I love it I can't even name it right? uh, <laughs> controversy equals cash is that right? 
something like that, right? It was yeah. a, it was a it was a really good insight. There's a little bit of um mayo he put on top. Um like most people who write a autobiography or whatever, you know, it's their truth, but it was uh I really enjoyed that one from a wrestling side. Ah, oh, that's great to hear. Um okay, uh moving away from books, uh, favorite television show of all time. Yeah, probably probably Seinfeld. Oh, excellent choice. Excellent. Uh do you have a favorite film? Uh Rocky Four. Very nice. Uh, do you have a favourite musical artist or band? Look, I love music. <laughs> so I have some weird, you know, I have a lot of theme songs and a lot of, you know, WrestleMania theme songs. So, um, look, probably ACDC. But having said that, I am just captivated by what is um, Taylor Swift. But, like, <laughs> I didn't really, I'll be frank, I didn't really know, I sort of knew of her, but. 12 months ago, I didn't realize just how big she she is. It is just it fascinates me um as to you know you know as a as an icon what how she is and how she influences people. So look, I'm not a yeah, not a huge music person per se, um, as in favorites or whatever. Um I, I can barely remember a song's name or um I don't understand the meanings of most songs, but um look, I do like a bit of ACDC. Very nice. Uh, getting away from the arts now, do you have a favourite food? Uh, yeah, I would probably say um, I love a good dim sim. So, um, mm. But, uh, yeah, good dim sim is, is pretty good. That's yeah, in moderation. That's a good choice. Uh, do you have a favourite restaurant or a place to eat on the road? Uh, no, I, I mean, that's a really good question. I've never been asked that. Um when I tra- like, I travel. I've traveled a lot in the last fifteen years uh, for work, and and travel is, to be honest, it's not. I don't enjoy it. Mm. Um, so when you get into like, it's funny hotels. You get to see a lot of them, and and there's a lot of good restaurants and whatever. But often, just getting a really nice cheeseburger, chips at a at a, at a hotel where like room service or whatever is is a real comfort food. Um, but I certainly um, I love Japanese food. Uh, so the the franchise Akami, which is is in a lot of different places now, um, OK AMI, um, it's not a, it's a, it's a good staple. You can do it, or you can eat for forty bucks and mm. pretty good food. Very very good. Uh, three to go here now. Uh, this one's favorite alcoholic beverage, but if you don't drink, just a favorite beverage in general. Well, I, I've worked in sport and I've got a wife and two kids, so you have to drink. Um, so um, <laughs> in moderation, um, uh, gin and tonic, which has come through COVID. So I used to just enjoy, you know, a good beer or um, good glass of wine, like nothing too, too over the top. But um, gin and tonic is, um, we started drinking through COVID and I like a good gin and tonic. Very nice. Uh, the second last one here, Cam, it could be considered a naughty question, but it can always get a very meaningful answer. Uh, favourite female body part or attribute? You see a good looking lady? You know, what, what will Cam Bale look at first? Jeez, this is going to get me into real trouble. <laughs> uh, I could answer this question. Jeez. Um, it's a tough one. Um, 
I could be really cheesy as well um, and just go, I'm just going to have to pass. I can't answer that question. <laughs> well, some people have said eyes. Uh, well, I could say smile and eyes. Smile's yeah, good. Everyone would know I'm lying. So, um, <laughs> um, you know, um, an athletic an athletic lady is a, you know, overalls. Yeah. But, you know. Um, yeah. that's as that's as far as I'm going to go. No, that's fine. It's, it's funny a good question. That, of course, it's just the funny the amount of people that have said, "Oh, you're going to get me in trouble with this one." Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's. I mean, everyone has an answer, right? So do. it's just do you want that answer in public? <laughs> um, exactly. Um, uh, the last one here, Cam. Uh, favorite curse word? Well, I probably said the S word a little bit, and yes. I. I now have a funny, well, it's probably a bit of a crazy thing where I relay swear words through my dog. So, you know, I claim our dog has a potty mouth when <laughs> no one can really, really hear it. So, um, look, I, I think, I think, you know, um, it's, I don't, yeah, I mean, ass is not really, I mean, ass is more of an American one, right? Yeah. So, look, I'll be honest, I do drop the F bomb um, a fair bit uh, in the right circumstances. Mm hmm. Um, but, um, you know, uh, wrestling, I mean, wrestling's interesting. It's funny. I don't, I don't like it being chanted at wrestling events. I get it. Mm. Come on, people. Um, yeah, I agree. Know, do, do we, do we need like swear words should be, should be in the, the context of the environment you're in. If you're with some friends, you're with people, you know, that aren't going to be offended and there are some shocking swear words. So that is, uh, yeah. Yeah, but look, I do drop the F bomb a little bit. Um uh and you know, I've probably said shit four times in this interview. So yeah. <laughs> Let, let's put that one down as as the go-to. Sounds good to me. Camel Camvel, thank you so much for your time to join me here on the Insiders Edge podcast. I've had so much fun talking to you and learning a little bit about you know what's motivating you to do what it is that you're doing in uh, professional wrestling here in Australia. And I just want to say as a fan. I'm uh, really excited about um, uh, some of the the ideas that you've uh, you've you've brought to the country so far and will be bringing. Um, so, as a fan, want to say thank you for All bringing right. some things over here, like Bret Hart and like a convention like that, because I never thought we'd get anything like that being so isolated over here. So, my thank yous are coming your way, not just for I that, but also it. for being on my show here today. No, no, I appreciate it, Carl, and um, it's. Uh... Yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm always happy to talk about what we're doing. As I said, you can't sell a secret. Absolutely, Cam. And thank you again. And thank all of you out there for joining me here on the Insider's Edge podcast here. Uh, I'm California. This is my new friend, Cam Bale. And we will see you down the road. Thank you. Thank you.